one billion years in the future, Earth still exists, though maybe not as we imagine it. Eras upon bygone eras worth of technology have been left behind by eight previous and fallen civilizations. It is now up to the denizens of the Ninth World to piece together what was left behind. Perhaps they're looking to carve out their place in the world, or simply to survive a land riddled with weird and unearthly dangers. Or perhaps still, they just wish to learn and uncover the secrets of the Numenera. Whatever it is this new era of adventurers and heroes is looking to discover, they'll have to dig through the imprinted echoes of the past to find it. An amnesis. Now, the recollection or remembrance of the past. Reminiscence. Hello, and welcome to Imprinted Echoes, a family-friendly Numenera actual play podcast. My name is Zan, and I'm your GM. Thank you for joining us today, and as always, we hope you're staying safe and healthy. Just as a heads up, the next couple of episodes will be almost primarily combat-oriented. I know that's not the general vibe that this show takes, but as our characters start to push into the more populated world, they're bound to find themselves in slightly more complicated and dangerous situations. Although there will be a lot of talk about mechanics to get through the fights, I hope the suspense of it all will keep you all interested. The ghost has become impatient. No more talking, time for action. The fight isn't going to be an easy one. Everyone has a few tricks up their sleeves, but let's hope that's enough. Blows are weathered, intrusions are expended, and identities are unmasked. Join us as Nehemiah, Smallrin, and Jory fully take on the saint and their congregation. You all stand in the antechamber of the congregation. Smallrin has just shoved a poison-laced caltrop into the chest of the saint out of pure impatience and annoyance at this point. The saint screams, and the room springs into action. I need everybody to roll initiative. 17 for me. Three for Nehemiah. A 14 for Smallrin. Okay. So Smallrin, as you do this, and the room erupts into chaos, weapons are drawn, and steps are taken, and everyone moves to take the best vantage point they possibly can. The saint reacts to your attack, and I need you to roll a level six speed defense. For this speed defense, would you accept me using either espionage or overcoming fear, intimidation, or panic for this reaction? I'll take the overcoming skill. Okay. And that is going to be a failure with a 14. Before you have a chance to step back and get out of the way and regain your footing, a blast of icy cold air hits you in the face as some sort of energy from the saint's hand erupts towards you and you take six points of might damage, specifically cold if you have any sort of okay. resistance or, or armor against elemental things. I do not. Will, will regular armor apply to this? Yes. Okay. After this, one of the guards, so there were two that came forward. One of them is the one that whispered to Nehemiah. The other one, 
acts at this point. You notice very briefly that the two guards that walked you in versus the two guards that were with the saint when you entered have slightly different colors mm-hmm. on their attire. And the two that are with the saint seem to be personal bodyguards of some sort. One of which, in theory, is a turncoat now. But they are considered Fenderals. Mm. The Fenderal turns to you, Smallrin, and makes yet another attack. A level six speed defense. Okay. Failure with a 14. Come on, roll 20. The Fenderals have large glaives, and this one steps forward and just slashes at you for 10 points of my damage. I'm gonna use step in front. Okay. Nehemiah jumps in front and catches the glaive on, um, man, I'm really wishing I wore my cool armor today. (laughs) (laughs) Catches it with the armor that he has that will reduce down to six. Okay. You step in front, taking that blow, and you're trying to like, grab onto the glaive or just like bouncing it off your arm? I'm trying to catch the hilt of it. Okay, yeah, easily. You aren't able to stop it completely, so it does hit you, but you do have it in hand now. Good. The second Fenderal takes a moment to look around, quickly plant one foot and pivot on it so that they are facing out now, Mm -hmm. so like with your group facing the rest of the group that is now coming closer to you, and does not take a swing at the saint. They seem to know better than to do that in this moment, but they will help protect or attack anyone else that comes near. Excellent. And in fact, they will take a shot at one of the other guards nearby and inflicting that 10 points of damage will take out one of them. Ooh, all right. Oof, doof. My God. Oh dear. (laughs) Jory, you're next. I have a couple questions. Absolutely. This pack of people that are lingering toward us, how close are they together? They've been spread out. Eh. Like as you were walking in, they were in kind of like various positions along this kind of runner of carpet that you were going in. So they're coming at you from all sides. Not the front though, all from like the sides or behind. So nobody's um, joined. Two or three, you could probably say would be close together. Sure, just they're just not all together. That's fine. I will look at that two or three with a delicious hunger. And um, second question, how tall is the ceiling? 30 feet. I'm going to open a phase door under them and have the other side be the ceiling. Ah! Oh my God. Sorry. Yes. Oh (laughs) man. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. I love you. Question. Is it directly above them? Are you creating Um, an infinite? I, my plan was to put it on top of somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) That's better. (laughs) So I could. Okay, so the wording of this technically says you can phase into a solid object, but if you're, but here's the thing. I love this so much. (laughs) If you spend two more intellect points. Oh, done. For its cost. Oh, yes. I will let that happen. Mm. Okay. I'm spending right now. (laughs) Can't take them with you. Nope. So you get it under, you're not sure who they are at this point, but you get it under three of them and open up a phase door below them and then open up the door above and they all scream as gravity gives way and they start plummeting from the ceiling. And they will all take four damage. 
Three for falling, one for falling on top of another person. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> Oopsie. Those who have them fall on top of them will take half of that. It is the butcher's turn. The butcher was one of the people that you made fall from the ceiling. <laughs> so for their movement, they are going to stand up and will attempt to lunge at Jory. I'm going to have you make a level five speed defense. Okay. Could I use sensing danger, especially since I was probably just looking at the ball? Sure. Okay. Oh, I failed with a six. Mm. I was so proud. <laughs> just as a reminder, everybody, remember your armor. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yep. You see this happen and hoping that they kind of like stay in that pile of people. You see the largest of them kind of throw everybody off and lunge at you with a comically large cleaver and come slashing down at you for eight points of might damage. Ah! Could I use defensive phasing or is it too late? Go ahead and reroll. Go ahead and reroll. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll let you use that. That's two points of intellect, I think. It's yes. two points. Okay, good. Success with a 15. Just barely. Ooh. Yeah, so as that cleaver, this comically large cleaver is coming down towards you, you are able to kind of take a step back without it coming down and hitting you. <laughs> Small ring. Cool. So basically, I'm going to take the moment of recovery that the butcher has after Jory manages to evade his swing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take advantage of that and attempt to take his cleaver from him. All right, that's going to be level five speed. All right. May I use espionage? Sure. I am going to spend for that point of effort. Success with a 19. You are able to step in to the inside of his swing, grab it and kind of like wrap his fist to the point where it like releases a little bit and you have his giant cleaver. With a 19, you also get a minor effect. What would you like that to be? I actually think that I might take the plus three damage here. And as I take it from him, I just like swipe it across the back of one of his knees. This is considered a heavy weapon. Are you, do you have an inability in heavy weaponry? That's what I was worried about. Yes. So that three damage counts, but it's because you couldn't hold it. Yeah. And I start dropping it. It it kind of just like swipes along the side of his leg. (laughs) It's a good visual. Smallrin, realizing she can't wield this, is just going to kind of say over her shoulder, Oh, Nehemiah, I got you a present. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Do you hang on to it to hand over to Nehemiah, or are you like... Since I haven't taken any movement, I am going to kind of just drag it with me over towards him. Okay. It is time for a bunch of Lexicon members to take their turns. <laughs> Most of them are in the pile that Jory created. The nose that Smallrin would recognize at this point is able to disentangle themselves from the pile. And while most Lexicon members have kind of like a signature weapon, it's usually either something very sneaky or something very overt, like the butcher, something that kind of vibes with their style. The nose is a bit more mundane and they take out something called a slug spitter, essentially a gun. You're gonna say. I gotta get, get, um, get, get, get. <laughs> It is air powered, so it is somewhere between a gunpowder firearm and airsoft. So like more powerful than airsoft, but not quite as powerful as something with like an actual gunpowder round. Mm-hmm. Take aim, Smallrin, you are the prime target mm-hmm. at the moment. Yep. So does take aim at Smallrin. This is going to be a level four speed defense. All right. 
Can I use my skill with perception tasks, my Ogren Orb, to help evade this? Sure. Yeah, we're going to spend for another point of effort because I really don't want to take this damage if I don't have to. 19. Yeah, you hear this coming. You hear the shot of it and just duck. Like, you're doesn't matter which way it's coming from, you just duck. You assume it's supposed to be a headshot, and you hear a whiz over you as that slug narrowly misses. Minor effect. I would like an asset on defense against those shots, since they are announced with noise. Yes, against those specific shots. Against those specific shots, yeah. Yes. Yes, I'm here for that. In all the chaos and how subtle this movement is, most of you don't even see this happen. But Smallren, I need you to make a level four speed defense. And this is something else, correct? Yes. All right. Is this something the Ogrim Orb would potentially have seen or? Not if it was just paying attention in the same round to the slug. That's what I thought. All right, cool. (sighs) Missed with the one GM intrusion failure. Okay. You feel a dart in your neck and your eyes swivel around as you see a lexicon member, the Jackal, lowering a blowgun from their lips. You take two damage and I need you to roll a d100. 98. Oh, (laughs) this is not good. There are a lot of things on here that that could have been. If you had even rolled up to like an 80, it would have been a relatively minor, although hindering effect. You feel a searing pain crawl up your neck, up the side of your face and into your skull as some kind of poison directly attacks your mind and you take 10 intellect damage. All right. Question, is this just the attack that was going to happen or is this the GM intrusion? That's just the attack that was going to happen. That's exciting. (laughs) If that is not the GM intrusion, then I would like to make a player intrusion. Okay. I have something that is called Lucky Break. I would like this to be a poison that Smallren has had used on her before and that she is able to resist for a certain number of rounds before it incapacitates her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'll say you're able to stave it off for two rounds. Then. All right. All right. So spend for that. One XP. I like that. That's a creative use of that. There is one person that you see kind of in the group that Jory heaped together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say humbled. I'm like, that's not right. Um, you see one person skirt off to the side, but not do anything other than move. Suspicious. It is now the guard's turn. Just one of the guards exists at the moment and is going to attack Nehemiah to try and get you disengaged from that Fenderals. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a level three speed defense. Okay, let's spend for effort. A failure with a two. Neat. Thankfully, the guards are not nearly as well trained as the Uh Fenrals. And this one has a sword that it draws and tries to slice at you with, doing three points of might. Wow. I just realized that I forgot to use my GM intrusion on uh, the previous turn. Sure. So in that time, the saint is able to disengage from this situation Mm -hmm. and make their way a good ways back from you all. Sure. There is a 
Lexicon member who is adorned with a large number of bandoliers and belts and the like, all of which are filled with ciphers. And even though you might not know who this is specifically, it is hard to mistake the trappings of a rite. Mm-hmm. As they pull something from their bandolier, it's a little spiked looking ball, twist it in half, kind of like around the circumference of it, and throw it into the center of your group. And I need everybody to make me a level four speed defense as a detonation cipher is thrown in your midst. Spending again for effort there. That is a success with an 11. Wonderful. Success with a 15. Okay. Boop. And fail with a five. It explodes and shrapnel and icy pellets kind of burst everywhere. The pieces fly off and Nehemiah, Smallrin, you're able to kind of either shield yourself or duck out of the way of the majority of it. But Jory, it comes flying at you. Did you take the extra asset for defensive Oh, you know what? Phasing? I took it off because I'm an idiot. <laughs> okay, go ahead and reroll. Okay, sorry. Oh, we have a success with an 18 this time. And Jory, you're able to extra get out of the way, essentially. With that high of a roll, you very clearly see it coming. I do sort of a two-step where I kind of go close to it, like, oh, what is this? Nope, 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 nope. Uh -uh. Oops, don't pick that up. A Lexicon member with, at first, looks like a staff, but in closer inspection is actually kind of like a large shepherd's hook, almost, with like a nasty point on the end. Makes their way into the fray up next to the butcher, and near Smallrin to make an attack against her. This is going to be a level three speed defense. Okay. Failure with a four. This hook kind of like comes around and gets behind your shoulder and kind of pulls at you there, causing some damage. You're going to take three might damage. Okay. And in that time, you also feel an electric shock buzz through the hook as it gets around you. And I need you to make a level three might defense. Success with a 19. You are not paralyzed for the round. Oh, thank goodness. And you are able to shrug off that electrical shock. With a 19, you get a minor effect. Minor effect. Um, GM, any thoughts? You know what? How about this? I'll give you a little bit more information about one lexicon member that you see. Okay. I would like to know more about the smile since they haven't done anything yet. The smile is someone who carries no weapons, never seems to carry ciphers. All of their attacks are of the mental and intellectual variety. And they can range from kind of annoying to really problematic. You do know that they have to be able to touch someone in order to affect them. Okay, so they have to be within reach. All right, good to know. Nehemiah. Okay, friends, here is my question to the two of you. Do you want Nehemiah to be here to try and continue to soak some damage? Or do we want Nehemiah to try and drop a hit and then do something arguably meaningfully stupid? That sounds 
that one? That, that one. That sounds that great. Cool. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Yo, and I, I do mean this emphatically, low. Um, so first thing we're going to do is I'm going to uh, use another player intrusion. We're going to go ahead and spend for the perfect setup. Mm. You're fighting at least three foes, and each one is standing exactly in the right spot for you to move, to use a move you trained in long ago, allowing you to hit each foe as a part of one attack. You remain limited by the amount of effort that you can apply to one action, so fine. I would like Nehemiah to move here, and as a part of this perfect setup, I would like the smile to move here. Okay. So Nehemiah takes a step out, mm -hmm. and the smile kind of moves a little bit closer mm -hmm. into the circle. All right. And I'm going to attack all of them. What's difficulty for uh, the Fenderal? Six. Woo! And I'm going to be attacking them with the uh, big old glaive that uh, Smallren brought over. So I've got the Butcher's big sword. That is a heavy weapon, so it will do six damage. Excellent, and I am trained in it. Yep. Failure on the first one. What's the, uh, to hit the smile? Four. That's a success with a 12. Okay. Do you have anything that ups it from six damage, or is that what it is? I don't believe so. Okay. The guard, what is that to hit him? Three. Success with an eight. I would then, now, like to use fleet of foot. That's just an enabler. That's just a thing I get to do, uh, which yep. means I get to move a healthy distance as a part of my action. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to move right over here to our friend, the saint. Absolutely. <laughs> and then does the saint appear to be carrying anything with them, like a weapon, mm -hmm. anything like that? There is a dagger in their belt, uh -huh. but there doesn't seem to, that seems to be more ornamental. It is a, yeah, it is technically a, like a ceremonial dagger. It could be used sure. in defensive or offensive fashion, mm -hmm. but it seems that they rely more on the Numenera. Mm -hmm. You are well-versed enough in stuff like this. The blast that they put out towards Smallrin was more of an esoteric, something a nano would use. Mm. Okay, but I'm getting big, like, and I've gotten this. I think I got this in the last episode. Big Numenera vibes off that mask, though, oh, right? Oh, yes. Cool. Yes. Then, with your indulgence, I would like to use another player intrusion. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, okay. This is awesome. This would be an indulgence, so I, you know, <laughs> I want to use weapon break, and I want to break that mask. Ooh. That's now it's getting a little out of out of what no. it's supposed to be do, used for, but... I'm playing in the space. Oh, I like this. I like this. I, I'm literally giving up in the first round of this combat, counting what I did at the, at the end of the last episode, almost an entire level's worth of XP to do all this. It's And it's so very, good. Very, very good. All right. So yeah, Nehemiah runs up, hefts the butcher's blade, and just brings it down, not on his head, but just in front on of it. On their face. Just trying to cut the mask off. Oh... This was not the reveal I was intending. Uh -huh. I have thoughts. Uh-huh. I... <laughs> oh, no. You bring the cleaver down, and it is just enough that it... I was going to say cleaves. <laughs> <laughs> just enough that it cracks the mask and it's made of metal and synth and a couple other things and this kind of like like i said very ornate pattern but straight down the center it cracks in two and falls to the ground you see behind the mask 
a not elderly, but older woman. Enough wear on her face that you can tell that she has seen a lot in her life. Gray eyes remain as Smallrin had seen behind the mask, and graying hair peeks out from the cowl around the hat that is atop of her head. At first, it doesn't mean much to you, but after a moment, you've seen this face before in the statues that are in the town square and at the entrances of the various gates. This is Governor Marizak. Oh! Oh, you cad. <laughs> oh. And she screams. Yeah. This time, not with the voice alteration that you hear. The deep southern drawl is still there, but it is much higher pitch and not distorted any longer. That's your turn, unless you have something else in your pocket. Nah. <laughs> nah. Do you have a pocket left? <laughs> I, I, say, I am. Nehemiah was going through. Out of pocket. Nehemiah was going through pockets. <laughs> Brex is at the end of the initiative and takes a step to try and almost like get between Smallrin and some of the others, pushing the hook back and getting in between and will take a swing at them, dealing six points of damage. Back at the top of the initiative then, the saint looks you in the eyes, Nehemiah, and says, you will pay for this and uses what you again assume is an esoteric, and a very quick iridescent light surrounds them and she disappears. Mm. You cad again. <laughs> Did any of the lexicon members see this happen? Maybe. Nima, you, in seeing this, this does not look like when Smallrin vanishes. No. Nor does it look like when Jory phases. This is probably more of a teleportation Just about to say. Scenario. Seeing that the saint has disappeared, the Fenderall that is still against you mm -hmm. makes some sort of motion to use a cipher. It, they bring something to their mouth and say something into a device. They say code 73 and then crush that cipher that you cipher and drop it. Mm -hmm. Then move to Nehemiah near you kind of almost where the saint was previously. And that is their turn. The Fenderall that is on your side takes a step outward towards the jackal and will make an attack there for that 10 damage. Jory. I would like to use device insight on the cipher okay. that was just used, please. Sure. It is a communication cipher, something that was able to send that person's voice somewhere else to probably either a matching cipher or PA system of some sort. Can I retroactively do something and use my turn for it? Depends on what it is. I was going to use a fortuitous malfunction, which is one experience, to make whatever they just called not work. Sure. I'm mostly concerned about backup pouring in. Understandable. Before they crush it in their hand, you notice that something kind of just sparks in it and it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Whether or not the Fenderall knows that, remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. The Butcher, with Brex kind of now in the way between Smallrin and the Butcher, Butcher will kind of step in closer again, doing his utmost to get to Smallrin. Because not only is this a situation where security has been breached, but man, he has a bone to pick with you. I need you to make a level five speed defense. Mm -hmm. I would like to 
spend another point of XP for a player intrusion. I have something called familiar insight. You know this person or heard about them somewhere well enough to give insight about their motives or intentions and how best to convince them to see things your way. So as the butcher makes a rush at Smallrin, because also he's trying to figure out what to attack her with, I'm assuming, since she took away his justice, justice fists. fists. Awesome. Um, yeah, as he's, as he's coming in closer to her, she manages to sidestep him slightly and get up next to his ear. And all she says is, did you know that you were doing the governor's bidding this whole time? You kind of say this almost mid-swing. As, as he's coming through. And as you say that, that swing kind of stutters as he has to take an extra step to realize what it is that you just said. You're not sure whether or not he's surprised and taken aback that you know this or whether he's surprised and taken aback by that information, but he is off guard now. Okay. And I will say that because with familiar insight, you can convince a hostile person to hear you out for a little while longer. So I will say that th that is a automatic success on that defense. The nose moves around the group and is going to take a shot at Jory with the slug spitter. Jory, this is going to be a level four speed defense. Very well. Fail with a five. Oh dear. You hear that puff of air and a whizzing sound as in your arm you feel a searing pain and you take four speed damage. And remember your armor. I can't. It's not usable. Mm. Not currently. Mm. That's the, the price I oh, pay that's for right. Ugh. being elusive. But thank you for reminding <laughs> me. <laughs> Feeling a little bit trapped by the fender all that has turned to help you. The jackal seems to react in an almost feral manner, as instead of pulling that blowgun back up to their lips, they lunge and bite at the Fenderal. Yeah. Though it does nothing. I was gonna say, isn't this an that armored is. guard? <laughs> yes, but then they take a step back. And yeah, in addition to it being an armored guard, it's a level four versus a level six adversary. So it's a little hard to do anything. The smile, now close enough to get in the fray with someone and Jory being the closest, uh -oh. steps in and lays a hand on your shoulder. And Jory, as you turn, trying to figure out who it is that's like grabbing you, you see her face just split open into this absolutely unhinged, wider than should be smile. I don't like this. <laughs> Please make me a level four intellect defense. Ugh. Ooh, I fail with a seven. I need you to roll me a d100, please. That's fine. I'll do it. And I have rolled a 23. You feel paralyzed. Something about this person is just too uncanny for you, and you feel frozen in place. You can still talk and communicate, but you stand stock still, unable to take an action for the next round. Okay. It is the guard's turn. Guard is feeling very overwhelmed. <laughs> Tries to take a swing at Brex and misses. Mm -hmm. It is the architect's turn. You hear a similar sound and see a similar iridescent light from when the saint disappeared shimmer around the architect who disappears briefly and reappears on the other side of Smallrin and goes to lunge at you with 
what looks like a rejuvenator, if you are familiar with the injections that boost one of your stat pools, but there is something off about it. Mm. Smallrin, please roll me a level three speed defense. Failure with a six. For those of you following along at home who are like, why isn't she doing anything? My pools are incredibly low right now and I can't spend for most of my cool abilities. Yeah, that is fair. Yeah, you may want to take one of those action heals if you've got it next time around. I don't. My mm. recovery pool is sitting at a one hour. Please roll me a D100. 68. You feel this injector pump something into you and makes your legs feel leaden and you take five speed damage. That is the rest of that pool. As a reminder, if you are moving down the damage track, you are now currently impaired. Considered impaired. Effort costs one extra point and you cannot get major or minor effects. You can only get the damage bonuses on those high rolls. I mean, to be fair, that's usually what I want anyway, but. I mean, it's fair. The hook is going to move a little bit farther out and uses a different ability, lunges out to grab at the Fenderall that is on your side. And using that hook, gets around their hip and pulls towards them to bring them into an immediate distance instead of a short distance. And then goes to make an attack, but fails. Nehemiah. Look at the Fenderall that just rushed over to me. Did you see that? You know you were working for the governor? Crazy. Anyways, I'll be right back. I'm going to go ahead and just for the sake of fairness, just so we don't have to keep hammering on about it, I'm gonna go ahead and just spend for obstacle running. Mm -hmm. Sure. So that's three. So I'm just gonna say like, Nehemiah's just gonna be moving a lot this uh, over yeah. the next yeah. little bit. I would like I'm Nehemiah to run here. All right, so back near the smile. Yep, back just by the smile, just so I've got the smile and the nose there in immediate distance. Sure. And I wanna use my thunder vocalizer and make both of them take four thunder damage. Amazing. Nehemiah just runs up, sword drawn, and will just yell, yeah! Amazing. And that's just four straight damage, that, right? That you is, don't have to roll for that. That is four damage, yep. That's what I thought. You run towards them. You kind of say it as you're running mm -hmm. and kind of slide to a stop between them as that wave of mm -hmm. vocal energy hits them. The smile falls. She does yield, mm -hmm. just not necessarily in the way she, she yields forever. The nose is pushed to a knee mm -hmm. as that force kind of pushes them down and kind of looks up at you glaring. Does the smile being dead free Jory? Yes. That's what I'm talking <sighs> I couldn't breathe That's for a really long time. You could have, you can breathe. Does. I know, I was holding my <laughs> breath though. <laughs> Brex takes out the final guard with a swing of their maul. The saint is no longer in the room, so their turn doesn't matter, but the Fenderall does run back to follow Nehemiah, mm -hmm. essentially, and will make an attack against you. Please make a level six speed defense. Ooh. It's a failure with an 11. The Fenderall's glaive comes swinging down at you, dealing 10 points of might damage. Armor does count. Yes, thank you. That one's got a kick. 
as that glaive comes swinging down at you, the group of you kind of take a moment to assess where you are. With the saint having disappeared, it seems that at least the loyal bodyguard is standing his ground, hoping to get rid of the people who revealed the governor's secret and alter identity. And it seems most of the other lexicon members are still here fighting, whether because they knew what was going on and are here to accomplish the same goal, or because they didn't see it at all and are continuing to fight regardless. With only a handful of people dispatched, it's still going to be a bit of a slog to get through these. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening to episode 102 of Imprinted Echoes and Amnesis. As always, if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Imprinted Echoes and our website, imprintedechoes.com. On that website, you can find links to the Ghostlight Media merch store and our Patreon if you're able to help us out monetarily. And on that note, I'd like to thank Keith, Carl, and Katie for their support. If you'd like to help us out in other ways, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review, and tell a friend about the show. Of course, you can find our hosts on Twitter, myself at Covered in Sawdust, Chase at TQ Loudly, Rin at Rin underscore Moran, and Bridget at Really Bridget. And be sure to follow our network, Ghostlight Media, at GLM Pods. Thank you once again for listening, and I hope you'll be back in two weeks to hear yet another episode of Imprinted Echoes. And until then, may your ciphers never malfunction. Imprinted Echoes is produced by Zan Campbell-Johannes and Chase Greenley, and is edited by Alex Berkowitz. Original show theme music is by Justin Longacre. This has been a Ghost Light Media production.